This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Trashy Divorces. Hey, friends, I'm Alicia. I'm Stacy. We're happy to have you back with us this week. And every week, but this week. Every week especially. And this week most especially, we have some fan favorites this week. Some people you were hopelessly devoted to. You have one you're hopelessly devoted to. I really am. I covered the not at all trashy Olivia Newton-John, but a few trashy bits that happened to her in a story just of an angel walking among us. (laughs) This week, Stacey, you're bringing us... Possibly, you know, also like a little angel walking among us, maybe um, Jessica Simpson, singer, actor, writer, and her divorce from Nick Lachey. That's good stuff this week. (laughs) Before we start the episode, let's bring out the magic mirror. Yes. And see who we see to give big thanks to who joined us over on patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Let's do that. Thank you so much to Holly M, Kim S, Leela D, Teresa D. KCA, Joe P upgraded this week, Jennifer K, Aaron M, Lindsay S, Nicola B, Shara L. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We also have a super supporter in Polly B and our newest trash associate producer, Kimberly N. Her requested trashy divorce will be coming up soon. Also want to give a shout out to some new annual subscribers as well. Sue, Martha F, and Jen B. Thanks to all of y'all who support us over on Patreon, who support us each Sunday. Y'all are amazing. Much love and thanks and praise to you. Alicia, what needs to happen now? Oh, we have to go, go, go. So Alicia, today you're going to get physical? (laughs) Poor Olivia Newton-John. She puts that song out in like... 1981. That seems right. It was scandalous because it's about sex. And I thought it was about aerobics. It's about aerobics. It's totally about exercise. And she's like, compared to songs today, that song sounds like a lullaby. It was it was the aerobics anthem of the 80s. Oh Lord. (laughs) Really? It is a lullaby of early 80s pop music. And like one of the biggest hits. It wasn't Mm -hmm. Madonna who had the biggest like female hit of the 80s. It Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Y'all, her story is often requested, and y'all are getting it today. Perhaps because we had a special delivery box of Tim Tams that came this week from one of our favorite Aussie listeners. We can be bribed. Thank you, Petal. We adore (laughs) you, and we are Tim Tam slamming with the best of them. Mm -hmm. I have no qualms with letting you know, Stacey, and all of you trash pandas out there, that I am hopelessly devoted to Olivia Newton-John. Aw. She is... For the roles she plays in life, a daughter, a mother, a wife, an icon, a muse, a goddess, a musical legend with four Grammys, album sales totaling over 100 million albums. Wow. She is a dame commander of the Order of the British Empire. Who isn't these days, though? (laughs) She has too many honors and awards to count. She is also a breast cancer survivor. When it comes to her spirit, Olivia Newton-John... God, is a fearless woman with an unshakable spirit, and I love her. All right. The trashiest Olivia Newton-John gets, I hate to disappoint you, I think is in her Sandy role at the end of Grease. 
I was going to say, I remember her acting as well. That was some trashy magic right there. But when it comes down to it, in my opinion, Olivia Newton-John is an angel among us. Let's talk about it. She's a Libra girl. She's born September 29th, 1948. She's born in Cambridge in the UK. Her maternal grandfather is the Nobel winning physicist Max Born. Wow. Who, you know, invented quantum mechanics. I was going to say, that's a heavy hitter. Okay. Max is going to get his family. This is her maternal. This is her mom's dad. Max is going to get his family to Britain before World War II, Mm -hmm. where Olivia Newton-John's future mom, Irene, is going to meet Welshman Brinley Newton-John. And love is in the air. And these two are going to get married and have three kids. In cold, wet Wales? In cold, wet Wales. No, actually, they're in London. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have three kids, a boy, a girl, and then Olivia Newton. John, she's the youngest, Olivia. But the super neat thing here, dad, during the war, works for MI5 and is on the Enigma Project at Bletchley Park. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Max Born and Bletchley Park. Wow. When Olivia is six, the family will immigrate to Melbourne, Australia. Australia. And life rolls along, school, family, and such. And by the time Olivia is like 14, she's singing with friends. She's performing in some coffee shops, doing some radio things. She is going to meet her future BFF of all time, a gal named Pat Carroll, as well as Pat Carroll's future husband, John Farrar, on the Go Show in Australia. She's going to enter this talent contest on the program called Sing, Sing, Sing that's hosted by Johnny O'Keefe. She wins, and she wins a trip to Great Britain. And Olivia's mom is like, We've had- just left there. <laughs> no. Babe, you've had this trip for a year. You've won it. Go use it. Go see the world, kid. Like, get out of here. So Olivia will go. She will record her first single for Decca, but she's missing her boyfriend. And Olivia keeps booking trips home, and her mom keeps canceling the trips that she's booked to come home. And things get a lot better for Olivia when her BFF, Pat, comes over. And suddenly, London is a whole lot more fun. So they have a duet called Pat and Olivia, and they begin singing all over Europe. Pat makes all the clothes, and Olivia sews the hymns in, and they're having a marvelous time in the 60s. Like, Dolly Bird's on the loose. It's all happening. But they're pretty good girls. They're pretty proper. Like, they're not quite swinging, if you get my drift. Gotcha. But they're together, and they're BFFs, and they are just having the best Grand adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they even play a gig one night that turns out they show up and like, their ruffles and their short hemlines and, you know, their big hair. But it's a strip bar. Oh, no. So this is like the story that grows in legend, like when you're sitting around the summer beach house, like shooting the shit with your friends. Anyway, Pat is going to have to return to Australia when her visa expires, but Olivia is going to stay in Britain and work on her solo career because it's all happening. By 1971, she releases her first solo album. 72 comes another one. I mean, albums, success, and she's making it like early 70s. She's nominated for everything and she's winning a lot, like even crossing over into country music. She's nominated for some CMAs And country music is like, whoa, what are you? But, oh, God, she's kind of the smooth lady voice of the early 70s. She's everywhere. (sighs) Olivia Newton-John. I love her. Okay. 
There is an early engagement that she has in 1968 to one of her early producers. But by 1972, that wedding is not on. So Olivia in interviews talks about wanting to wait for the right one. Her parents did divorce. She saw a lot of divorce in her immediate family. And she's like, I wasn't rushing. It was worth waiting for the right one. When I did marriage, I wanted to succeed at it. Totally makes sense. She's a Libra, seventh house. It's all about union and balance. Totally makes sense. There's a new beau that Olivia is going to meet in 1972. He's a British businessman. He becomes her new boyfriend and manager. And they're going to remain together about a decade, but never get married. He wasn't the one. Olivia Newton-John says, this relationship was one long breakup. Have you had that relationship? (laughs) I have. Yeah, that's terrible. 10 years together that was one long breakup. Yeah. I mean, because there's pretty much not a man alive that doesn't fall in love with Olivia. She's catnip to men, right? The voice and the look and the sweetness. And she loves animals. Like, she's just joy. She radiates joy. I digress. Sorry. During the 1970s, she's a huge star in the UK, also in Australia. She's crossing over to the United States. She is part of this pop music revolution. It's great. She's working with Sir Cliff Richard. She's working with Barry Gibbs. She's winning Grammys and awards, and it's all good. So if you are Olivia Newton-John, you're probably asking yourself, why would I want to take a movie role where I play a 17-year-old because I am 29? That's normal. We cannot cover Olivia Newton-John without spending a spot, uh, just a wee bit of time on Grease, because Grease is her movie breakthrough. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is the only one that John Travolta wants in the role of Sandy. Period. End of story. And Olivia's like, this is impossible. I am 29 and I have an accent. No one on earth is going to believe that I am an American teenager. I mean, you go back and watch those movies, though, and it just, it does just seem like teenagers were significantly older back then. So Alan Carr... (laughs) is having dinner with Olivia at Helen Reddy's house. Mm-hmm. Right? Just like you do. <laughs> this is like the soundtrack of my parents' car when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, listen, l- I, let me just just meet John Travolta. Release the secret weapon. So here comes John Travolta. Mr. Saturday Night. Com- he, Saturday Night Fever has not been okay. released yet. Okay. And she said, had she seen that? She would have said, absolutely not. I will never do this movie because she was too intimidated. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. But they made Grease before Saturday night. It had already been filmed, but hadn't been okay. released. So here comes blue-eyed John Travolta strolling into Olivia's house. And they're hanging with the animals all day. And Olivia's like, he was so gentle and so kind. And by the end of the day... I guess it couldn't hurt to have a screen test. Right. If you tell me that you don't need me to have an American accent and you can work around that in the plot, sure, I'll give you a screen test. Now, at the time, John and Olivia are both involved with other people, but there are definite sparks. There's a connection, which is, of course, naturally immortalized in the 1978 
hit film Grease. I think it was that movie that I remember seeing in the theater for the first time. Like that was the first movie I saw. And then I sold tickets for my performance of Hopelessly Devoted to You in my basement Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that year for Thanksgiving when my family came over. I see. You do have a very performative family. (laughs) Well, all my uncles and aunts were there. It was a big deal. And we had a lot of stairs that led down to the basement. Sure. So I put on my monogrammed white nightgown. Yeah. No, being from a Catholic family clearly means always having a Drug the baby pool out (laughs) and charged everybody like a dime for my performance and sold tickets. Nice. Did you you close with, and you can leave a rating or review, (laughs) mash that subscribe button. Seriously. True story. Like, I was in Join me on Patreon. I know. Me and my friends, we knew all the dance routines, like every line, every note. We listened to the album on repeat. It was a big deal. Okay. Back to Olivia Newton-John. End of the movie Sandy with the leather pants, which, by the way, she had to be sewn into. Right? The zipper breaks, and they didn't want to ruin the pant trying to repair it because they're trying to shoot the movie. So a good thing that she was 29 and not 49, because yeah. my middle-aged crew gets me. They had to unstitch her every time she needed to go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. I know. Anyway, naturally, Grease, huge hit, and uh, it's all coming together. Oh, another fun spider web. Olivia's sister, older sister, is going to meet Jeff Conaway on the set of Grease, and they are going to get married and have about 10 years of wedded bliss before... Okay. Bliss isn't so wedded and they do divorce, but kind of a weird world. And then along comes Xanadu. Xanadu is released August 1980. So I saw this for my eighth birthday, I'm pretty sure. That okay. was like my birthday movie. Have you seen Xanadu? I 100% feel like I have, but not... It's very likely been decades. Let me read the summary from Rotten Tomatoes and see if it rings any bells for you. Struggling artist Sonny Malone, Michael Beck, is trapped in a dull job painting album covers. He is instantly attracted to Kira, Olivia Newton-John, an anonymous woman randomly photographed in the background of one of his assignments, but no one is able to identify her. Visiting the auditorium, where the cover was shot, Sonny finds the mysterious beauty, an ageless Greek muse, who encourages him to team up with old-fashioned Danny McGuire, Gene Kelly, to build a roller skating disco. <laughs> it is amazing. <clears throat> um, that did not bring me back to anything, but I, I swear to God I've seen Sanity. Oh, it's terrible. It is wonderful and terrible and wonderful. It is on the set of Xanadu that Olivia is going to meet her first husband. And it's not a marriage yet. Like, remember, she's waiting for the right one, but she will meet Matt Latanzi on the set of Xanadu back in 1980. He's 11 years younger. No matter. Sexy dancer. Let's get physical. The heart wants what the heart wants. No, she writes, let's get physical, like, after meeting him. This is Uh, the next album after this. Yeah. They're married in December 1984, Olivia and Matt. Daughter comes along in January 1986, and things are fine until they aren't. Because it appears the couple has 
some different aims and some different interests. Olivia is looking to lead this very spiritual life. I don't know if you remember, she opened a line of clothing called Koala Blue. I remember going to her store in underground Atlanta when it opened that day. This does ring a Mm -hmm. bell. But she's doing some spiritual stuff and Matt's a spiritual guy too, but mostly like into nature. And Olivia says they had fun camping and fishing and they have a beautiful child. They had a lot of fun together. He wasn't really swayed by her fame and things go great for a long time, even if he is living in a teepee. Okay, she didn't say that part. That part was me, but he wants to get back into nature and she's like, I'm not going to live in a teepee. Right, or a Mm -hmm. yurt or, yeah, or a a cob house. (laughs) There's some grief and sadness that comes in the marriage with multiple miscarriages. Yikes. And then a terrible day happens in 1992. Olivia's beloved father will pass away from liver cancer on the same day that she will get her diagnosis of breast cancer. Mm. And later, Olivia's asked in an interview, how did you get through those years? And Olivia said, you have to. I had a young child and I had much to live for and no one escapes without something. Mm-hmm. She's an angel. Olivia does, at this time, endure a partial mastectomy, nine months of chemo, breast reconstruction, and becomes a crusader. So this is the early 1990s, and she is out completely in a different way that we haven't really seen for breast cancer awareness. Hey, let's test. Get a mammogram. Mm -hmm. Olivia... Just by being so open and honest and sharing her experience makes it okay for millions of other women to talk about it, to get tested, to... Mm -hmm. She's a difference maker. Uh, She's raised about $50 million. Wow. She founds the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Center in Melbourne. Like, she's an angel on earth. By 1995, however, their marriage is not working. They've kind of drifted. This is Nature Boy? Nature Boy, yeah, sorry. And she'll say it was hard. I didn't want to get married to get divorced. I was going to have a successful marriage. She's like, it wasn't, you know, I didn't want to be the one who failed. It wasn't really a failure. We had a beautiful daughter. But at the time, it really felt like I was failing. Mm -hmm. That seems like the most normal feeling in the world for it. But life is too short to live in an unhappy spot in your heart or mind or soul. Right? She goes on, says if it had not been for the breast cancer, it would have ended earlier than it did. Like, Matt stuck around as he could, but... That's actually really commendable. Yeah. Matt's out in 1995, and, God, Lord, Olivia Newton-John, irresistible to men. There's a new man. You're saying Matt took a hike? (laughs) Matt took a hike. There's a new guy on the scene, Peter McDermott, but that's not his real name. His real name is Patrick Kim, and he's a gaffer cameraman. This is not a trashy divorce, but this is a trashy, trashy boyfriend and terrible. So, okay. They're going to spend like a decade together. Again, no marriage, but everything's okay. Why does he have two names? Well... He he is of Korean descent, so he has a Korean name, and then right has come, as, assumed a new name, has a new. Pa- I'm 
it gets shadier. So it is. So it's a shady thing, not a not shady thing. It's a yeah. The two names, like just his Korean name versus right. Like, hold on. It becomes shady because of this in a second. Okay, you're not even ready. Oh God, this is terrible. So Olivia goes to Australia. She's doing some touring. She has opened a health center called Gaia in Australia. So she's gone. And Peter Patrick is like, I'm going to go take a fishing trip today. And he's going to go on an overnight. Did you say Peter McDermott? I said Peter Pat. His name, he goes by Peter McDermott, but I'm calling him Peter Patrick. Okay. For the purposes of this story. Okay. You'll find right. out why. Ju- Peter I was Patrick. Like, how many names? Okay. So you, you've given him a nickname on top of his other names. I've combined his two names mm-hmm. of okay. Peter and Patrick. Also as an homage to Jack Johnson because Peter Patrick and the song Taylor. But Peter Patrick is what I'm calling him. Okay. Not important. Peter Patrick goes on a boat for a fishing trip in San Pedro and just is lost at sea. His keys and his American passport are on the boat, and Peter Patrick has just vanished. So you're saying it's a ghost ship? It's a ghost ship. And his disappearance isn't going to be reported until, like, 22 days later. Wow. Olivia's across the... Like, she doesn't know, and she can't get him on the phone, but there's shit going on, and he's vanished. Peter Patrick is presumed dead in November 2008. And Olivia is grief-stricken. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's devastated. And uh, most especially won't talk about it because as time goes on, more and more is revealed. And it turns out Peter Patrick, before he disappears on the ghost ship, has withdrawn his life savings from not one but two bank accounts. I often do that just before I'm getting on a boat. He's gotten a new passport. With his Korean name of Patrick Kim. Okay. He's also filed for bankruptcy. Hmm. He's about 30K in debt. Peter Patrick also has an ex-wife and a child that he's rightly on the hook for child support to mm-hmm. for about 8K. Yikes. Okay, so there's a lot of terrible things about this. A, a spider web here. Peter Patrick's mother believes that he is truly dead. And... There's a lot of supposition that's out in the world that, in fact, Peter Patrick is not dead. And there are books that are released that are on Amazon. So Peter Patrick's mom is going to write a letter to TD alum Jeff Bezos asking him to please pull these terrible books oh my God. off the Internet because they're full of lies. But it turns out they're not full of lies because Peter Patrick has faked his own death. When do we find like how long is it until we find that out? Not long. There's suppositions that are happening pretty soon after. There's a private investigator that gets on the case. Peter Patrick sends a letter to a lawyer like, dude, I'm fine. Quit looking for him. As soon as he's, it's all fucking shady. I often send letters to lawyers after I fake my own death. It's (laughs) shady. Like, I thought a email breakup was bad. That's, yeah. You that's, thought a post-it note breakup was bad. But no, weird. Peter Patrick's alive and well and just wanted out of his life. And he's living in a remote town in Mexico, having a marvelous time. I mean, certainly I feel for Olivia Newton-John here, but his poor mother. Can you imagine? Like, this is the latest I heard was like 2016 and he's still there doing his <laughs> thing. I'm not sure what's happened with his ex-wife or poor child. As this is a story about Olivia 
I don't really care much what's happened to him is it wasn't a divorce per se. Yikes. But Olivia, you were clearly better off without that con man in your life. Thinking so. He is toxic. Move on. And friends, she does. I love this part of the story. Olivia, after the disappearance of, what's his, Peter Peter Patrick. Patrick, yeah. She's doing a show in Florida. She's going to reconnect with an old friend. His name is John Easterling. And he comes to the show this one night. And John's a rainforest conservationist and an herbal medicine entrepreneur. She's got a type, doesn't she? Yeah. Another nature boy is what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah. But he's a, he's a little different. He founds the whole company based on cannabis. He's a different <laughs> kind of nature boy. Um, but he sees her sing that night. And he has never seen one of her movies. He's like, he doesn't really, he's been living in the rainforest smoking, you know, like, eh. But he's seeing the audience and he's seeing her perform and he's mesmerized. Like, he gets it. He's just like, I got her. I got her. And he's deeply moved. And what's kind of cute here is her very first hit that she has called If Not For You. It's a Bob Dylan song that she first releases in 1971. He says this is very favorite song of hers. Like they're just adorable and they fall in love. And she proposes to him before he can propose to her, even though he was going to do it. They marry twice in June of 2008. The first time is in Peru where they do ayahuasca together. Nature boy getting his psychedelic drugs on. Olivia will say that after two days in the rainforest, they saw each other in a whole different light. Bet they did. Bet they did. There's another ceremony in Florida, like a week and a half later. And the two have been, like, stuck like Lou since then. He's become involved in her charity work. And they live on a farm in Santa Barbara and have two miniature horses called Harry and Winston. And dogs and chickens. And John is the man with the herbs. And he's growing good stuff to help Olivia. Her cancer does return in 2013 to her shoulder. She battles that only to have it return again in 2018. Olivia is living her best life every day. She's written a book. She loves her kid. She loves her husband. She loves her animals. Oh, she's recently auctioned off a ton of clothes from Greece to have some more funds for cancer. The lady who owns Spanx now owns the zipperless pants from Greece. There's your <laughs> spider web. Okay. Interesting. Olivia Newton-John, eternal warrior, and just faces reality on the daily. She'll talk about embracing it and being one of the millions of people in this fight and the journey being part of the mission. She is still actively treating her cancer, radiation, no sugar, cannabis for the pain that medicine man puts in tincture for her. Cause California, she really hopes Australia will expand this fantastic idea for cancer sufferers. She knows she's lucky to live in a state where it's legal, as well as have a husband who's a medicine man. Ah, Olivia Newton-John, I'm so hopelessly devoted. That terrible boyfriend of hers gets (laughs) all the trash cans. And the first husband, as of 2008, is reported, not reported, actually, because nobody can find him. He's living off the grid. He's been living off the grid for 12 years. Yeah. So if there was any kind of trash to give him, he'd probably compost it. It sounds so, like sounds like Olivia Newton John. She's just not trashy at all. But you know what's coming? 
halos. All of them. There you go. For her good works and her sunny and positive manifestations into the world of all the good things. Halos. All of them. I am hopelessly devoted to you, Olivia Newton-John, and thank you for being you. The world is better because you've been here. Well, look at us totally failing to deliver on the trashiness. No, there's just, <laughs> I mean, the outfit's trashy. The zipperless pants, pretty trashy. Miss, you know, boyfriend with the elaborate escape plan yeah. to start. Like, that is a really conflict-avoidant person right there. You know what'll be easier than actually breaking up with you? Closing out my bank accounts and living Faking life. my own forging death. Forging a new, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> well, thank you. I've always liked her, but have not. Like, I haven't looked into her life at all. But, yeah, like, as a little kid, I mean, her music was everywhere. Everywhere. (sighs) I love her. Let's take a quick break. See you on the flip. Hey, Trash Pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? all in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Stacy, you're bringing us another singer, actress, designer, writer, person type blonde this week. <laughs> Not sure she's a natural blonde, now that you mention it, but yes. Yes, I am. We don't judge here. 
We do trash cans. <laughs> we, we, totally, we judge a little bit here. We're not judging her we hair, We don't though. judge hair color, no. All right. Alicia, we take it as a given that American media will treat us these days to a curated insider take of celebrity lives and relationships via reality TV. But it was not always this way. In fact, it was only in 2003 that MTV, which had spent a decade pioneering the form with the real world, convinced the it couple of the era to allow cameras into their home and their, as it turns out, mismatched marriage. Mm. I'm talking about singer and actress Jessica Simpson and her once upon a time knight in shining armor, 98 degree singer Nick Lachey. They were beautiful. They were successful. They were icons of a modern kind of pop star love. But there was an eight-year age difference between them, and the gap factored heavily in MTV's curation of newlyweds, Nick and Jessica. It's not a smart idea. Never a smart idea. Marriage is hard enough the first few years. Don't televise it. Yes. Yeah. Nick Lachey was born November the 9th, 1973. He's a Scorpio in Harlan, Kentucky. And based on my careful research of watching the show Justified... (laughs) I assume he spent his childhood running errands for Dixie Mafia figures. Kidding. He did not. Perfect. He did not. He and his brother, Drew, were educated in suburban Cincinnati. They attended high school at Cincinnati's School for Creative and Performing Arts. And then he went on to Miami University in Ohio. Fantastic. So in the early mid-90s, he was introduced to a guy named Jeff Timmons. Jeff had just quit Kent State and moved to California to pursue a career in music. Nick was into it calls his brother Drew. They grab another guy, Justin Jeffrey, and they spent a few years honing their craft as a boy band, which was all the rage at the time. Boys to men. I mean, it was all, yeah, there were lots. In sync. Mm -hmm. Yeah. New kids. All right. So they launched their first single, Invisible Man, in 1997 on Motown Records, actually. Interesting. Mm -hmm. They toured relentlessly for several years. They joined Janet Jackson for several dates. They duetted with Stevie Wonder. Wow. I mean, these are young guys. This must have been awesome. So things were definitely moving in the right direction for 98 Degrees. They would spend 2000 to like about 03, consistently charting. It was a good time. Okay. It was a good time to be 98 Degrees. But, you know, before all that, as their wave was rising, the band would bump into an up-and-coming Columbia Records singer named Jessica Simpson. At the Hollywood Christmas Parade in 1998, Nick and Jessica were introduced... And there were sparks. Ta-da! Ta-da! Jessica Simpson was born July 10, 1980. She's a cancer. Oh, I bet there were sparks. Cancer Scorpio matches. Mm. Yeah. Uh, In Abilene, Texas, she was the daughter of a homemaker mom and a dad who is a psychologist slash minister. This raised many red flags for me, but I think it's okay. He's been her manager for a lot of years. Okay. I I think it's okay. When I first read that, I was like, this story will get tragic, but it... Not not in that way. She has a younger sister, Ashley Simpson, who is also a successful singer, songwriter, and actor. And I think the biggest thing about their childhood is that they moved around a lot with her father's ministry work. So they were mostly Dallas and Waco, Texas, kind of bopping around that area. But they also lived for a little while in Cincinnati. I mean, I'm sure she and Nick had plenty yeah. to talk about when they met up. <laughs> Because dad did some church work there. So the other big deal about her childhood, of course, is that they were prominently involved in church, which meant that young Jessica and young Ashley had constant access to choirs to sing with. So by the time Jessica was 11, she knew that she wanted to do that professionally. 
This is so weird. She she goes out for the Mickey Mouse Club the next year when she's 12. Does she really? Oh, yeah. And also in her, like, class of aspiring Mouseketeers. Is that is that what they are? I don't Why even not? know. Why <laughs> not? Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Ryan Gosling, Justin Timberlake. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately... Jessica was like around when Christina Aguilera did her audition song and was like, like a lightning bolt of imposter syndrome hit her and like it completely broke her nerves and she didn't do great on her audition and she was not invited to join the show. Oh, no. I feel like this is a really telling incident about Jessica Simpson. I feel like she has I I think she's someone who lives with a lot of um, imposter syndrome kind of stuff and it's been an element throughout her life okay tell me more sure um all right hey don't worry about her and the mouse club like her future works out but it's weird she will always really be like thought of in sort of a lens of britney and christina and even in the early part of her career she was marketed in a way to like yeah provide a contrast it was sure anyway so she was initially signed to a christian music label but <laughs> she records a debut record, and before it can be released, the label goes bankrupt. Oh, no. A lot of timing issues in her life as well. Um, Bless her. So, like, her family pays to press some copies of it, and they start sending it out to other labels. And this is how she comes to the attention of Trashy Divorces alum Tommy Matola, no. then, then the husband of Mariah Carey. We covered them in season four, episode 12. On Jessica Simpson's 17th birthday... She sings for Tommy Matola. Matola is sold. But crushingly, he also tells her that she has to lose 15 pounds. Jessica- Tommy Matola, maybe you need to lose 15 pounds. <laughs> Jessica Simpson was five foot three and weighed 118 pounds at the time, which is like a perfectly Yeah, we don't judge weight here. Rational or yeah. hair color. Well, and this pushes her like she starts going into That's diet pills. Terrible. And- yeah, so she will take diet pills for the next 20 years, attempting what? to live up to this bonkers... Impossible mm-hmm. standard. Yes. Matola was shaping her in other ways as well. You know, she's a preacher's daughter. So he was like, hey, you know, we got, like, Brittany and Christina out there with their, like, dance moves and very revealing outfits, and we're not going to do that with you. You're going to be the more wholesome, more relatable less sexualized hit singer of the era. So 17, 18-year-old Jessica Simpson publicly declares in public that she will remain a virgin until she marries, which is just the weirdest. Oh, baby. Weirdest stuff. This is probably around the same time that purity culture was kind of ramping up among evangelicalism. And anyway, so her... 1999 debut album, Sweet Kisses. Are you kidding me, Tommy Mottola? Are you kidding me? All right, so that became a double platinum hit. But, you know, much more was happening in young Jessica's life because, as mentioned, she had met Nick Lachey around Christmas of 98. This unleashed tons of synergetic options for Jessica Simpson and 98 Degrees. Nick appeared on one of the singles from her album, and she was their opening act in their 99-2000 tour. It's magic. And like, yeah, and I'm sure that the record labels were all, you know, I'm sure that there was a big press operation around Jessica. Shipping them. Uh, Shipping Mm -hmm. them, yes. 
And this was a really foundational period for both of them. They were not famous when they met. They were, you know, they were up and coming, but they were not yet stars. So they kind of went through that process of like becoming celebrities together. And again, that's just got to be a weird, like who else is going to understand that, right? So, so that was probably very nice for the two of them. Nick was instantly smitten with her, by the way. He said, the first time I ever heard her sing, I got chills. Aww. And I told the guys in the band, I'm going to marry that girl one day. <clears throat> Sometimes you know. Yeah. So he would watch uh, for her out in the crowd at their performances. And there were also complications that came with being rising stars together. And again, she's eight years younger than he is, which also has its own problems. They broke up for a few months in 2000 while she was working on her second record, they were back together by the end of the year. Uh, her second album, Irresistible, came out in May of 2001. Debuts at number six, but again, bad timing. Oh no, what happens? Nine, oh. 9 11. 9/11. 9/11 happens. Mm. So she had a tour scheduled. Oh no. And they went ahead and canceled that. Like it, there was a lot of fear about big gatherings of, oh, of people like, after that. So. Rightfully so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, Irresistible did not end up performing as well as her first album had. Again, partly a timing issue. I'm not sure if it was really a content issue, but February 2002, she and Nick announced that they are engaged and she starts working on her next album. While 98 Degrees kind of went into hiatus and the band members wanted to branch out and do other projects and I think acting was on high okay. on the list. So it was while she was working on this that her father slash manager pitched a reality TV show oh. for her to MTV. But MTV happened to have one shelved. This was going to feature Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. No. Uh-huh. Who married in the mid-90s. They are also TD alums. We looked at them in uh, season six, episode eight. So since they had backed out, MTV's newlyweds could be about them. It could be both a profile building platform for Nick and Jessica and a promotional channel for Jessica's forthcoming third album. It did both of those things, but there was a cost for the couple. Sure. For instance, as the show became a hit, Rolling Stone decided to write a feature about it, but only wanted Jessica for the magazine cover, not Nick. I bet so, Nick didn't feel too great about that. Yeah, she would say later, it ends up being a competitive thing, even if you don't want it to be. I mean, they do the same thing. All right. There was also a lasting impact to her image from this show. The show really went out of its way to portray her as a dumb blonde. And there are famous or infamous scenes burned into pop culture from it. In one, she asks Nick if she is they're They're on the couch having dinner. And she says, is this tuna or is this chicken? And then she expresses confusion about the chicken of the sea notion. And I would like to point out that I don't feel like Nick Lachey jumped in with any sort of like anything helpful, wildly intellectual explanation for her. <laughs> Another time they, the two of them are out to dinner, I think with his brother and maybe his wife or girlfriend. Not sure. Anyway, the female at the table asks Jessica if she has tried the Buffalo wings and Jessica says, I don't eat Buffalo. Oh, bless her. And everyone laughs because what a good joke. That's very funny. Right. And then it's really evident that that was not a joke. And they're like, they're, they're chicken. They're made of chicken. <laughs> Just Anyway, these are sort of formative events in, you know, Jessica Simpson public figure in the, in the public mind of her. 
But years later, she would write in her autobiography, Open Book, that she was in on the joke the whole time and that leaning into this very airheaded caricature gave her music more credibility. Honestly, though, like watching clips of this on YouTube, which I think is the only place it streams, she really just seems like she is a very young and very overwhelmed woman who's kind of in over her head and married to a really nice guy, but not like it's not a perfect fit. And they're both too young to figure that out. Like, well, at the first few years of marriage and the shift and change that is to any individual and add on, we have TV cameras in our house and careers yeah. that we're both and trying to produce music and tour and and she's 22 years old and who, yeah, who thought a lot. who thought this was a good idea i mean it was not a good idea okay. not a not a fortuitous decision in the book she writes nowadays i see so many people performing their identities on social media but i feel like i was a guinea pig for that how was mm. i supposed to live a real healthy life filtered through the lens of a reality show that's a good point if my personal life was my work and my work required me to play a certain role, who even was I anymore? Mm. It's a very good question. That is some imposter syndrome right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the show Newlyweds ran from 2003 to 2005, and it had to stop there because in December 2005, oh. Jessica and Nick released a statement announcing their split. Honeys. After th- <laughs> You're so empathetic. I love it. After three years of marriage and careful thought and consideration, we've decided to part ways, the statement says. This is a mutual decision of two people with an enormous amount of respect and admiration for each other. We hope that you respect our privacy during this difficult time. It was career pressure that seemed to have the biggest impact on them. They were often apart because of their work. There were reports that Nick was at a wild bachelor party in 2005 And newlyweds would show him in strip clubs and such. Like, he was kind of catting about a little bit. I'm not saying he cheated. I I have no knowledge of that. I'm just saying, like, he was enjoying life. He's living the rock and roll lifestyle. He's a rich guy. Whatever. Yeah. She was on location in Louisiana for a while the year before filming Dukes of Hazzard. And she would later admit that, like, stuff was tough with Nick. And this was so weird. She admits to having had kind of an emotional affair with Johnny Knoxville, her co-star. No. Yes. So both of them were married. She says it was never physical, but they would have long conversations. They would like flirt and share music with each other that they both liked. And you're getting um, the attention you're. And yeah, she Mm -hmm. says like he never judged her or acted like she was stupid. He acted like she was a smart person with plenty to contribute. And I was genuinely surprised to learn that Johnny Knoxville might do that to another human being. (laughs) Learn something Spider new. Spider webs. Yeah, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't know. All right. Jessica and Nick's divorce was finalized in June of 06 and was quickly followed by a somewhat torrid relationship with singer-songwriter John Mayer. Oh, our, never a good idea. One of our former local anti-heroes. <laughs> uh, whose manipulations made her feel deeply insecure around him, which launched her onto a problem pattern with alcohol that would persist for the next decade or oh, so. Oh, no. Even though the relationship with John Mayer was much shorter than that. Apparently they would break up and then he would show up and like proclaim that he couldn't make art without her as his inspiration or some kind of bullshit like that. It, it really sounds not great. Um, she said it was really like a therapist at one point finally just broke down and was like, he didn't love you. He was obsessed with you. That was not love. That he. That was not. <laughs> that's not love. Yeah, he's definitely his fair share of trashy 
recalling something. I think that maybe he has been working in some therapy and some different things and has come to, I don't want to trash John Mayer today. Today. John Mayer circa 2006, though. John Mayer circa 2006 is not the boyfriend you'd want for Yeah, I feel like people your friend <laughs> who are kind of like tuned into this, they people have told me that he is not the guy he was in the and, past. and that's great that people change. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. don't want to get emails tomorrow about right. John Mayer's change. Very possibly. In 2006, it sounded like he was pretty terrible I mean, to Jessica Simpson. It was a tough time for all of us. <laughs> So Nick remarried in 2011 to TV personality Vanessa Manillo on a private island owned by Richard Brannigan. Oh, my God. And possibly in a sign that he's learned nothing, the couple had their wedding filmed for TLC. No. But on the other hand, everybody's older and wiser now, and it sounds like this one uh, is the right one. Okay, perfect. Yeah, he and Vanessa have three kids. They co-host the Netflix reality show Love is Blind. They did a season of Dancing with the Stars a few years ago. Nick hosts Nickelodeon's music competition show, America's Most Musical Family. And it sounds like fantastic. They just really have fun. Like, it just sounds like they look like a good couple. I've watched a couple interview clips with them. and Good on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jessica stayed in music for a few more years, but she was already branching into, like, lines of cosmetics doing fashion design. Yeah, there she were, started with like a big shoe line, right? Or something? Sounds right. Yeah, there were fragrances. She did some acting, as noted, Dukes of Hazard, but there were other films. They were not generally well-received. She did some additional reality TV stuff. Notably, in 2007, she dated quarterback Tony Romo in a move that was widely panned by fans of the Dallas Cowboys because Tony Romo's quarterbacking really took a hit during their relationship, and poor Jessica Simpson came to be known in Dallas as Yoko Romo. No! Yes. Why is everybody mean to <laughs> Jessica Simpson? I, it's not her fault you can't throw the ball. Okay, Jessica Simpson is a registered Republican, and no less than George W. Bush bemoaned her impact on his favorite football team. That is not true. That is true. <gasps> Everybody. Yeah, it seems weird. <laughs> Why are people being mean to Jessica Simpson? I d- she is she is small she is and plucky and beautiful. quirky. Yeah. And I find her to be ch- just charming. All right. So anyway, she and Romo broke up a couple years later. She became engaged to the former 49ers and Saints tight end Eric Johnson in 2010. They married in 2014. They have three kids. Oh, that's nice. And as noted, she's continued to reinvent herself. So her autobiography, Open Book, came out in January of 2020. Oh, because God. Jessica Simpson's timing her is... timing is terrible. However, the book was extremely well-reviewed. People loved it. People loved it. Hopelessly devoted to Jessica Simpson. Yeah. And so this prompted a fresh round of interest in, you know, by now it is a lengthy career in public. Like, she digs into it in the book. She talks about childhood sexual abuse by another child who was herself being sexually abused by yet another child. Oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. Um, Her path through various addictions... And just the intense and shame-inducing scrutiny of her body at every turn when she was a young woman. When she was told by the New York Times' Lindsay Mannering that Billie Eilish wears baggy clothes 
so that like people can't kind totally of makes level sense. that criticism out yep. of it. Jessica says, I'm so happy that there's somebody out there that talks about that and can do that. Music's just not the same as it was when I was in it. It is not. She has really interesting insights, too. Uh, to Alana Kaplan at the LA Times, also after the book came out, she talks about how much she's loving Lizzo and says, it is amazing because what's being celebrated is her confidence. And she says that when she was in music, that was never even thought about. You just had to do it the cookie cutter way. Wow. So her clothing line, the Jessica Simpson collection, is a huge business. It has cleared a billion dollars in sales. Holy cats. Now and again, I don't think it does that every year, but it sells affordable clothing for women of all body types and has been inspired by her own evolution That's through great. different sizes. I, I mean, she's it. been pregnant three times. Like, love it. Yeah. She got sober from alcohol after a somewhat disastrous 2017 appearance on Ellen, where she was obviously drunk, and she apologizes for that in the book. And so today, Jessica Simpson is an author and a businesswoman raising three kids with a husband she loves. Life's not bad. Hopelessly devoted. Yeah. So this trashy divorce feels like really just a two-young marriage for both her and Nick. And they both really just needed to spend some more time figuring themselves out before they could get it right. Not particularly trashy, but if we have to award trash cans, I will never miss an opportunity to slag on Tommy Matola. <laughs> I mean, he is undoubtedly, undisputedly a star maker, but he does tend to leave people worse for the wear. So you, sir, you get 20 years of trash cans Great. for how long Jessica felt she needed to lean into those diet pills. And Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, you go on with your quirky self-made selves. And your big happy families. I dig it. That's a great story. Thanks. Thanks, Stacey. Yeah, you're welcome. That was awesome. Yeah, I feel like she's always like third fiddle behind Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. That's true. Mm -hmm. But she's doing her own thing and seems really happy. So there you go. Sometimes you have the bad first one. Yeah, and it doesn't even seem... I mean, she speaks so fondly of him. It doesn't sound like they've remained... I think, Unfriendly. Yeah, I don't think they are in touch that much or anything but she only says nice things about him as far as i can tell she's quirky she's plucky i like her the so did the interviewers mm -hmm. that was so evident in reading and again this was like right before the pandemic hit like the last time she could gather <laughs> and it's people hanging out with jessica simpson and just being delighted by her it was it's cool i love it that's another week of trashy divorces y'all it is that's so much fun it was a fun week it was a fun week. At least here. Well, right. It was not a fun week there. <clears throat> we appreciate you tuning in. If you need more trash candy this week on the Tuesday series, The Swan Slim Keith is coming up, which is a great story. We got spider webs. We got tidbits. We got nightcap chat. Always fun stuff going on over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. You can hear some free episodes Stacy, what's that bit.ly link? bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine. If you want to kind of hear what we do over there free, we'll probably recycle those out for January and get some new ones up as well. Yeah. So we try to do that every month and put a little bit of new stuff up. Until we talk again, to you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Always being trashy. Wash your paws. Uh, keep those hands so, so clean. Keep your masks on. Watch out. For yourself and each other's very, very trashy hearts. The trashiest. Keep it trashy, y'all. We'll see you next week.
Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.